in that way. All right. Um, I'm not at the door this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Chad. <laughs> And uh, I want to start our prayer time by talking about masks, all right? Because first of all, anybody who's wearing glasses knows that masks are the worst, right? Amen. All right, so uh, I say that to say two things. First, uh, normally, well, A, I'm going to preach without my glasses on, which means you're going to be like blurs everywhere. Uh, but it's either that or I see you through like fog. So I'm opting for this one. Uh, so I'm not gonna be able to see you, which means that if you're going to respond to me, you can't just smile at me. Plus you're wearing a mask. So I can't see that. Right? So if you're going to respond in some way this morning, I need you to respond a little more vocally, right? All right. We're, we're getting it. We're getting it. Uh, so we'll respond vocally. Or, I mean, if you really want, you can stand on your chair and go like this. I'll see you in that, in that way. All right. Um, I'm not going to encourage you to do that. Uh, but if you get a little carried away, I'll understand. Uh, the second thing about masks is this, uh, there seems to be this like turmoil about masks currently. Um, you know, we, we came from a county that had like 50 total cases and moved to a county that gets that like every day. Um, and so it's been kind of different for us having to wear a mask all the time everywhere we go. However, I've noticed that there's a lot of tension when it comes to masks. Uh, do we wear them? Do we not? Um, there's a, a control thing. Somehow it's become political. I don't know how all this has happened, but what I know is this, all right? Uh, when it comes to church and being a Christian and a follower of Jesus, what matters to us most is not necessarily whether we think they work to protect people or not. What matters most is how am I going to love my neighbor, right? How am I going to take care of my neighbor? So for us as followers of Jesus, our neighbors, some of them in this very room, believe that masks work, that masks keep them safe. And even if they don't, there's something about somebody wearing a mask that makes you feel like they care about you, right? Because I'm not going to breathe my germs all over you. So whether, whether you believe masks work or not uh, is not the question this morning. I'm not asking you to believe in anything. What I'm asking you to believe in is that Jesus asked us to love our neighbors. And that right now, the way we love our neighbors is by wearing a mask, even if we have to do it during church. Because as you can see, it's not my favorite right? It's not my favorite thing to do. However, I love all of you and I want to keep you safe. All right. So whether it works or not, beside the point, we're going to wear them because we love our neighbors, right? The people in this room, we care about them. And if there's even a slim, like 0.1% chance that wearing a mask will help them, I'm going to do it, which is why I'm taking off my glasses and not my mask. <laughs> so I say that to say, as much as I know it's annoying to have to wear a mask, we're going to love our neighbors. Okay, especially when we're in this place uh, and when we're in public, we're going to love our neighbors by doing the exact same thing. Okay, so I say that because we're getting ready to pray. And when, when I pray, I like to pray over the community. And one of the things that I like to pray over our community is that they would come to know Jesus. And unfortunately, sometimes it's really hard when, people, when you want people to know Jesus because those same people know Christians who barely know Jesus. All right. So I say that to say this, I say that because we're going to pray for our neighbors, but if we're going to pray for our neighbors, we have to actually act in favor of our neighbors, right? So we're going to pray together. We're going to pray over our community. We're going to pray over this church. We're going to pray for our start together uh, that we can get off on the right foot and uh, get a good running start together. Uh, because as I'm sure you all know, the last few months have been kind of weird, right? Uh, I mean, come on, like it's been weird, not just in the world, but also going through a pastor transition is weird, right? It's hard. 
Okay, especially when your pastor has been here for, what was it, 14 years, right? It's hard. And then you have to get to go through that in the middle of not being able to meet together, maybe not being able to meet at the place that you would normally meet, right? It's different and it's weird. So we're going to pray because if there's one thing I've learned in my life, there's one thing I do way more than anything else, it's pray. Because when you pray, you let Jesus do the work and you stop. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and we're going to let Jesus do all the work. Let's pray. Oh God, we are so thankful that we get to gather in this place. Even if it isn't our normal place, it's not even the place that we had planned on gathering this morning. But God, we are thankful to be in your presence today. And so we ask, God, that during this time of transition and oddity in our church, Lord, that your presence would be all over it. God, that we'd be unable to ignore the things that you're doing in our midst and Lord, that our eyes would be so open to it that we would be giving you glory in the end. And Lord, we pray over this community that we all live in. God, we ask that you would be at work in the lives of the people around us. We ask for healing, not just from, from physical wounds, physical ailments, God, but we pray for emotional healing, spiritual healing, Lord, we want to see people in our midst made whole by the power of your Son. And Lord, we pray that you would start something in this place that cannot be contained. That you would start a movement of the Spirit that is so strong that even those outside the doors would wonder what is going on at Goshen First. And God, we ask that during this time this morning, God, that your presence would be here in a special way. That we would know that you are here. That you are working in our midst. God, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds today. We want to hear from you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, First Sunday. Man, there are still, uh, I've, been, I've been doing this for almost, it'll be 10 years in December, and uh, every Sunday, it never ceases, uh, I sit in my, in my front pew seat, and, and I get, like, I know the order of service, so the thing right before when I come up, I get, like, the jitters, right? I've been doing it for 10 years, and I still have that, like, just a split-second moment where I'm like, ah. <laughs> what if, what if, right? You run them all through your head. And then there's always this sense of, Sarah talked about the peace, right? There's, there's a sense of peace. The second that I step up behind the pulpit, there's like a sense of peace. It's like, God's like, all right, let's go. So that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm feeling this morning. I get that mix of jitters and let's go all at the same time. And so I'll start by saying, I say that to say that I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for what, what God is going to do in this place. I'm excited for what God's going to do in our community uh, because I... Uh, I follow a God of limitless resources, right? Our, our God is a God who can, who can do anything and let's be honest, does do anything. Not just in scripture, but in our lives. So I say that to, because I want to preface my own story with that. Okay, I want you to know that that's my experience going in. 
uh, because I was not raised in the church. Now, I was raised in a home that believed in Jesus. Uh, I was raised in a home uh, where I can remember my dad reading his Bible very frequently, but we never went to church. Okay. Now, in case you didn't know, my last name is Yoder. Okay. So there's a very particular heritage that comes with that name. All right. And uh, so needless to say, I fit in pretty well in Goshen. Now, I may fit in better in Shipshawana, but I fit in pretty well. Okay. So, uh, so my dad grew up in the Amish community, but we, uh, we grew up not going to church anywhere. And so when I was uh, 17 years old, I uh, met a girl at school who was a year younger than I was. And uh, her mother invited me to her surprise birthday party at some church in our town. So I thought, well, why not, right? I'm a junior in high school. We'll see how this goes. So we go to the birthday party, and her dad, turns out, is the pastor of that church. Okay, I had no idea. So he says, hey, why don't you come to church tomorrow? I thought, I don't got anything else to do. Sure, I'll come to church, right? I still to this day cannot tell you what he preached that Sunday morning. But I can tell you that I went home later that night, got on my knees at my bed, and prayed that Jesus would change my life. Right, that's literally one Sunday, that's all it took. And so ever since, my life has been equally as quick. Uh, so I got saved at 17. Then uh, I felt God calling me. I went through Sarah's discernment process up here. I felt God calling me to this great program called Master's Commission. Now, I will say, if you've read the newsletter, you've probably already heard some of this, but that's okay. Because I also know, I'm, I've been in enough churches to know that only about 6% of you read the newsletter. Uh, so... So I did, I went to master's commission. Master's commission was an assemblies of God program. And the one that I went to was in a non-denominational church with a Pentecostal history, right? So that tells you a little bit about where I come from. So I went to master's commission and it absolutely transformed my life. We did ministry. Uh, we learned how to do ministry. We learned scripture and uh, it was two years of intense discipling where essentially we did, we lived and breathed Jesus. In fact, it was so intense that during the first year, they required all first-year people not to date because it would distract you from Jesus. So I did two years of master's commission, and I felt God calling me into something more, and I didn't know what that was. My discernment process was not working. So instead, when I came home, my pastor at my small Methodist church says, hey, why don't you come and meet my DS? Okay, sure had no idea what that was, but he said, why don't you come and meet him? I said, great. I would love to do that. So I had lunch with the associate DS uh, in the Northeast district. And uh, he looked at me across the table at the time I was, I was 20. And uh, he looks at me and he says, well, I think you're called. I said, well, that's great. And he says, well, you don't have any preaching experience whatsoever. I was like, well, I kind of just did it for two years. Well, it wasn't in the Methodist church, right? Because we're really picky about that kind of thing right? That's a soapbox I can get on later. So he says, hey, why don't you preach at a couple of small churches uh, just to get some preaching experience and see if you feel called? I said, great, I will do that. So in December, I started at Wawaka UMC. And then uh, in January, I started at Brimfield. Now, Wawaka has since closed. They closed in 2017 um, after a long, long tenure of great ministry. Uh, but those are my first two churches. And Man, I had a great time. I knew after week two that there was nothing else I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And they were so supportive and, and raised me up. And I thought, man, this is just great, right? Like, I was 21. I thought I had it figured out. Like, this is what God's going to do with my life. 
Whew, it's going to be good. I really underestimated what God was going to do with my life. Because I thought, okay, this is it. There's, there can't possibly be anything better than this, right? So then in 2012, uh, my pastor uh, calls me up and he says, hey, I made this acquaintance in Uganda, this pastor friend who was overseeing a bunch of churches. They're having issues and they really, really need some training. They want pastor training. I'm going to go. Do you want to go with me? So at first I said, <laughs> Africa, right, sure. Yeah. So I told him, I said, I'll pray on it, right? Because that's the Christian cop-out answer, right? When we don't want to tell somebody no, we say, oh, I'll pray on it. So, so I told him, I said, I'll pray on it. And uh, I, would, I did pray on it. And God was pretty clear that I needed to go. So I did. So we prepared and we went in 2013. And uh, I experienced and saw things that did not fit within my theological grid, right? I saw people healed in front of my eyes. I saw uh, churches that were so vibrant that people were like outside the windows clamoring to get in. And I thought, man, if that's what church can be, what are we doing back home? And so, so the Africans, they, my Ugandan friends always joke with me. They say, you bring us your, your seminary training knowledge, and we'll send you back with a passion for Jesus. So that's what I do. That's, that's essentially been my ministry since 2013, is, to, is I go to Africa and I come back and I share this passion for Jesus. And so I've been every year since, except for this one. I actually was supposed to leave for Uganda on Tuesday of this next week. But COVID happened. So... So we've been going to Uganda now since 2013. Uh, we've trained over 500 pastors. We started doing church planting. We have 58 church plants uh, in Uganda and Kenya. We have standing invitations to like six other countries with no time to get there. So that's one piece of what I do. And it's really like my heart is in missions. I love doing missions work. All right, I've been to Uganda and Kenya. I did a trip to Cuba last January. Uh, and Cuba, if you didn't know, is in the middle of an actual little revival right now. Like every church we went to in the last eight years has grown from 80 to 800. And so this is what I know of the church. And so what happens is I have to compute what I know about what the church couldn't be and should be. And I have to mesh that somehow with what the church is and figure out how do we get there? How do we get to a place where people are clamoring for the Jesus that we know? So much so that their, their arms are in the windows to be prayed for. How do we get there? I don't know the answer yet. I'll be honest with you. But it's something I keep praying through. Because it's what God has placed on my heart. God has placed on my heart that the church should be a place where healing and wholeness is discovered. Not just in spiritual ways, which is key, right? Because you have to know Jesus to be made whole, to feel whole. But in every way. Right? It's, why, it's why I'm a firm believer the church should be doing everything they can to make, help people be whole. Whether it's spiritually or mental health or physical health. Right? You guys know that like all good, almost all good things in the world started in the church. This is, this is the world I live in. <laughs> I, I live in, in, and some may say it's a, it's a naive place to be. Right? But you haven't seen the things I've seen. You haven't seen... In Cuba, it was literally a guy came to the service blind and left seeing. 
right? You don't see that and then go back to the way things were. You see it and then you reorient your grid to fit it. You say, wow, God is way bigger than the box I put him in. And so instead of saying, well, that doesn't fit in the box, we'll just toss it. You have to say, well, apparently I need a bigger box, <laughs> right? So, so I, I share that because I want you to know this. Part of what I hope to do, part of what I hope to work through with you is to, make, is to, to craft a bigger box together. And in fact, I even hate the idea of a bigger box. Let's just get God out of the box. Like, let's just, let's just see what God can do. And it, that's why I pray so much. <laughs> I rely heavily on prayer because when I pray, I turn that stuff over to God. I stop trying to do it by myself. So I got to rewind because I skipped a little bit of my story because my family life is pretty awesome as well. Uh, God has done some cool stuff there. I, uh, my wife and I, Aaron, where are you at, Aaron? I can't see. There you are. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> she doesn't like being called out, so I'm sure that later that'll be a fun conversation. <laughs> so, uh, Aaron and I got married in 2013 uh, after uh, nine months of dating. Uh, and uh, so we've been married since 2013, and uh, it's, we have, just like any other married couples, we've had ups and downs, and we've gotten to navigate that, those waters together. Um, but it's been awesome. Uh, God's done all kinds of cool stuff uh, in, our, in our family. Uh, we have three beautiful daughters, uh, Evelyn, who will be five in December, uh, Eleanor, who just turned three in June, and then Amelia, who was born on May 9th of this year. So she is two months old now. And so our children are awesome. Uh, tell you what, they are loving our backyard. Uh, they would live and sleep outside if they could. Uh, and so, but they are a ton of fun. One of the most fun things is that they love music. Uh, in fact, I kind of chuckled this morning because Waymaker is one of their favorites. Um, they will belt it from the back seat of the car uh, over whatever song is on the radio currently. It does not matter. Uh, and uh, they love to sing, they love to play, and they are a ton of fun. And one of the things I love most is that uh, I know that even at their young age that they love Jesus because they tell me that. <laughs> they'll, they'll hear things, they'll hear somebody say something about being a Christian, and everyone will say, Dad, I'm a Christian. And I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> so I share that, and I, I just, um, I want you to know this morning that, uh, that our family is one that, does, um, that likes to take up roots. We, we don't like to just be in a place and just sort of be there on the surface. Uh, we like to we like to dig in roots. We like to have deep and meaningful relationships. We like to uh, get involved in the community. Let me tell you what we we love getting to know people who don't know Jesus. Uh, I my my phrase that I always use is that um, I don't know anybody who isn't a Christian. I just know a lot of people who are pre Christians because if you give me enough time with them, they'll become a Christian. <laughs> Because this, this, is, this is the heart of Jesus. Jesus wanted all people to find this, this wholeness and this, this miraculous life that he offers us. And part of the issue many times that I see in the church is that we've settled for a lot less than that. We've settled for what we know. We've settled for what's comfortable. What, we've settled for the things that fit within our box. And so uh, it's going to be a fun journey together. <laughs> 
Oh, man, I laugh because I know it's going to be a fun journey together. Because I tend to not fit in any boxes. I cringe. I cringe at boxes. <laughs> but there is one thing above all other things that you have to know about me, and it's that I love Jesus. All that other stuff is great, and like I said, we're going to have a lot of fun, and God's going to do some cool stuff in our midst. I know it. I know it because I've already been praying about it. <laughs> but above everything else, above everything else in my life, above my family and the ministry that God has, has blessed me with, above all of that, what matters most in my life is that I love Jesus. And that, that, that the Jesus that I know and love, the Jesus that's in the Gospels, is, it, well, in the words of Randy Clark, there is more. <laughs> There's so much more to Jesus than what we've given him so far. And so I'm excited because one of the things I love most is discipleship, which is basically taking the lid off the box and be like, all right, let's look at what Jesus actually did, right? Because a lot of us, we get Jesus secondhand from a church, from a Bible study, from a book study, whatever it is. We get it secondhand from somebody else. We get somebody else's interpretation of Jesus. So one of the most fun things I love to do is to walk people through the Gospels because then they look at it and they go, whoa, Jesus said that? Jesus did that? what? And then my favorite question, why isn't Jesus doing that now? And I like that question because we get to discover together that he is, that Jesus is still working miracles, that Jesus is still creating fruitful and faithful disciples. He's still doing it. The question for the church, especially in this time where everything is up in the air and different and weird, the question for us is whether we are going to be included in that group. Is Jesus doing it in our midst or not? Because he's still doing it. We, but he gives us a choice. Is he going to do it here or will he go somewhere else? So we, we get faced with that decision, which I realize in my first Sunday where I've been sharing my story and stuff is like the heaviest question to ask. Uh, but it's a question we have to ask. Because when it comes to a church, a church ought to be like the place where Jesus is doing miraculous things, where Jesus is changing people's lives, where Jesus is, is repairing marriages, where he's, where he's putting families back together, right? This ought to be the place where that happens. And I believe that it can be, and I believe it should be. And I believe, because I've been praying, I believe that it will be. Because right? I looked out the window this morning. I did not get the privilege to see the rainbow this morning. I was, when they said that, I was like, dang it. How did I miss that? But what I did see, I was, I was praying, and I was looking out the back window of our house, which, which faces out this way, right? And so, so I was praying. I was looking out the back window, and I saw the rain just pouring down. And I thought, God, is this like some omen? Should I be worried that it's raining on my first Sunday? And I, and I heard... I, I say here, we'll have to explain it to you later. I've, I've never heard like the audible voice of God. I've always hoped it would be Morgan Freeman, but I don't know for sure. So, so, so I get this impression in my head and it just says, you got to look up, right? You got to keep looking up. And so sure enough, it's downpour raining and I look up into the sky and the sky is as bright and beautiful as it ever was, <laughs> but it's downpour raining, right? And I just kept thinking, you got to keep looking up. You got to keep looking up. You got to keep looking up. And that's, that's where I'm headed. Because you see, I got, I got some scripture for you. You guys ready? Because my very first night in the parsonage, 
uh, I started reading 1 Corinthians. And uh, because I told Aaron, I said, because of this, everything's weird. It's up in the air. It's different. It's COVID, you know. And I thought, okay, what, where do we need to be headed, God? Like, what, what should I be looking for, Lord? What, how do I know? And I came upon 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I got, you know, Sarah talked about that heaviness, the weight. This was like a, like a truckload of bricks, right? Like these verses stopped me in my tracks. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, going through verse 5. And it says this, So it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. So I read these verses and I just, like I said, it just, I stopped me in my track. I couldn't, I, didn't, I haven't even read the rest of the chapter yet because I've been stuck on these verses. See, Paul, who is like, you know, like Paul, like the Paul, right? Not just any Paul, the Paul, okay? The Paul who, who is planting churches and transforming the world with the gospel. Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't come with some eloquent wisdom, right? I wasn't like wowing you with the things I was saying. To be fair, he probably was, just not intentionally. So he says, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified, right? Paul knew his priorities. He's like, you need to know Jesus. But then he says in verse four, this is what really got me. He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, right? In other words, he says, listen, the things I said didn't convince you, the thing, nothing that I say in this place will ever convince you of the power and the goodness of God. However, he says he came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Right? Because it's one thing to preach and say, you should follow Jesus. Right? And people will say, well, why should I follow Jesus? And you might have some scripture. You might have some gospel reading. You'll say, well, Jesus did this and this and this and this. But the thing is, the people in your life you even personally don't know Matthew. You don't know Mark. You don't know Luke. You don't know John. Who you do know now is Chad, right? right? And so, so when you come to me and say, hey, what do you know about Jesus? There isn't a person anywhere that cares what you know from the Bible. What they want to know is what you know about Jesus in your life. What is Jesus doing in you? What difference has Jesus made in your life? Which is why Paul says he didn't come with wisdom. He says he came with a demonstration. He says, listen, I can tell you about the gospel, but let me show you it instead. Let me show you what Jesus can do. Because he says, your faith, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So my prayer my prayer for, for this place, my prayer for our time together. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to do my best to preach. I, I preach. I like to preach. It's part of my gift set. I love it. But we're not preaching. We're not in this place so you can get to know me. We're not here so you can get to know each other. We're here so that you can see the power of God at work in your life, so that you can experience Jesus, 
That's why we come here. That's why we come to our classes. That's why we come to small groups. That's why we do the things that we do as Christians. Because we want to experience Jesus. So my prayer and my hope in this place is that for as long as we are together, we will be convinced not just by wise words, by persuasive language, but that we would get the privilege and the honor to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power. To see Jesus at work in our midst. To see Jesus at work in our messes, right? Because usually what we like to do is pretend we don't have a mess, right? We pretend we don't have any, and we don't want people to know about it. And yet, how's the way we find wholeness? We have to go through a mess. And that's where we see God's power at work. That's where we see the Spirit moving. It's in those situations that, that looked broken, they looked hopeless, and then God steps in, and you're like, whoa! 180 game changer. That's what I want to see. I want to, I want to see us all lit on fire for the power of God, for the things that Jesus is doing in this place. So I'm ready to go. <laughs> I am, I am, I'm not a time waster. Uh, I am not a, um, what's the right word? Dilly dallier. Maybe. I don't know. I'm making up words now, but I, I'm a person who likes to go right? Because I know what happens when we just link arms with Jesus and start running. So that's what I'm ready to do, right? So I, I am hoping and praying this morning that that's what you're ready for too. Uh, I, will, I will give you a little, um, we'll call it an asterisk, right? Uh, a little, uh, maybe a warning should be the right word, right? Uh, I am not good. How should I word this? Maybe there's a nice way to word it. Maybe not. I am not good. There are certain things I'm not good at, right? Uh, which is why, honestly, it's why I'm stoked that we have a great staff here uh, because the things that I'm not good at, they are good at. Uh, so working together, we, we get a little bit of everything, right? So I'm stoked about that. But one of the things that I'm really not good at uh, is keeping things exactly the same. <laughs> I'm terrible at that, actually. Uh, my wife, who watches me rearrange the furniture like every three weeks, will tell you... Uh, not good at keeping things the same. Specifically, when we're doing things just because we've always done it that way. Specifically, when we're doing things simply because we don't want to have to do things differently, right? Because if we're being honest, if the things we were doing were working, the church would be growing astronomically. But we're not. So we got to make, make changes, right? The worst word that any Christian loves to hear, change. It's my favorite word. <laughs> Uh, so, so I preface that, I, I, I put that out there just, to, just so that you know. Uh, one of the things I love to do is I love to tweak. I love to look at things and say, how can we do this better? How can we be more effective in this? How can we, how can we take our next step? All right? Because if you read my newsletter article, that's my favorite phrase. Right? I'm going to ask it of you individually. I'm going to ask it of the church as a whole. What is your next step? Because every church has a next step. Every person has a next step. Right? If we're at the end of the line and Jesus doesn't have any more steps for us, we're six feet under. Right? That's it. So there, there are next steps for each of us. And my goal and my hope is that we're going to find it and we're going to take it. Let me pray. God, we're so thankful that you don't let us stay the same. Because if we're being honest, God, the way that we were, the way we were yesterday, 
the way that we were a week ago, the way that we were 10 years ago, God, we were incomplete. We still had next steps that needed to be taken. And so, God, we're so glad that you guide us through each one, that you don't just throw us out there and let us figure it out on our own, God, but you link arms with us and you walk beside us. So, Lord, as we journey into this next step, as a church and as individuals, Lord, we pray for a demonstration of your power. That each new step would be defined by some new mind-blowing, box-shattering step. Some new thing that we've seen you do. That we can't wait to tell our friends and our families, guess what Jesus did this week? So God, we invite you into our lives to clean the house, to freshen things up, and God, to bring the power that is needed to change all of our lives. We pray it all in the name of Jesus this morning. Amen.